Hi everyone, this is Aaron Cohen. And if you're enjoying the series, I hope you'll consider becoming a contributing member of the Embrace Everything community by supporting us on Patreon. For $5 a month, you'll get all the latest monthly news about the series and hear how the upcoming season is shaping up, because I typically include excerpts of the new material I'm working on. There's a Patreon link in the show notes for this episode and on our website. Help us create documentaries for all the Mahler symphonies. And thanks. Season one of Embrace Everything, The World of Gustav Mahler was made possible by a generous grant from the Kaplan Foundation. You can find a complete list of pieces and performers featured in this episode on our website, theworldofgustavmahler.org. In this episode, we'll explore the second movement of Mahler's first symphony, and we'll begin with an extended look at the musical genre Mahler drew upon for the second movement. Then we'll dive into the second movement itself. I'm Aaron Cohen. I hope you enjoy it. For the second movement of his first symphony, Mahler looked to the dance. In his era, the most popular dance form was the waltz. You probably know the most famous waltz of them all, the Blue Danube by Johann Strauss Jr., written in 1866. Christian Glantz, a professor at the University of Music and Performing Arts in Vienna, shares some thoughts on the waltz. The waltz is developed, especially in Vienna, in the beginning of the 19th century, to the leading kind of urban popular music. There are big dance halls in, in the suburbs of Vienna where people are coming to to dance the waltz. The waltz is a kind of uh, hip dance style. Mahler had his own feelings about the music. I certainly don't hold a low opinion of the waltzes. I accept them for what they are and all their uniqueness and delightful inventiveness. But you can't call them art. They have as little to do with art as has, say, the folk song. These short-breathed melodies of successive eight-bar phrases from which nothing develops, in which indeed there isn't the slightest trace of any development, cannot count as composition in any sense of the word. By development, Mahler means the transformation of musical ideas we typically find in art music. There's a reason why a symphonic movement is 15 minutes long, and a popular song lasts only three minutes. In order to make a satisfying longer movement, a composer needs to play with the material more, to make ideas evolve, to explore a greater range of development, as Mahler calls it. However, Mahler did recognize that very talented composers could transform musical ideas within short-form pieces, and Mahler was quick to compliment one composer in particular. Compare waltzes, for instance, with Schubert's Moment Musical, in which the treatment, the development, and content of each single bar is a work of art. The composer who made the most out of the waltz, in terms of the type of development Mahler admired, is Chopin. With Chopin, the waltz had completed an evolution, from folk music roots to popular music and then into classical music. Christian Glantz explains that Mahler returned to folk music for the materials of his dance movement. One of the most important things in respect to Mahler's use or allusions towards folk music in his symphonic works and songs, I think, lies within the great variety of styles and influences in old Austrian folk music in the surroundings, in the different uh, surroundings of Mahler's life. 
One of the folk music styles Mahler would have grown up with was the Lendler, a predecessor to the waltz. To give you a flavor, listen to a Lendler by Schubert. Phil Bullman, an ethnomusicologist at the University of Chicago, gives us some background. A Lendler is a rural dance. It refers to the land, or land, so from the countryside would be the best way to translate it. And it has many different forms around Central Europe. It's always in three. It's a triple meter dance, generally slow because it's a figure dance. And this is a really critical distinction with the walls. It's a figure dance used for courting uh, in which uh, a dancing pair frames each other as if in a window, uh, looking at each other, uh, courting each other, and it moves very slowly around the dance floor. Other composers wrote Lendlers too, Mozart, for example. But the waltz became better known. There's a rather difference between the Lendler as rural and the waltz as urban, and therefore it marks a cultural transition uh, toward urbanization and modernization. Kent Nagano, conductor of the Montreal Symphony Orchestra, says the two dance forms have significant differences. It's not just an issue of uh, where the stress points is and whether the downbeat should be stretched and stealing time away and then you give it back, mostly on the third beat. I mean, you can talk about it in an analytical way. Yes, landlords should be maybe a little bit slower, maybe. But actually, this has nothing to do with, with, with the reality. The reality is that in terms of your body, when you dance both of them, they just feel different. This is closer to the type of Lendler Mahler would have heard as a young boy. Mahler's father owned a tavern just below their apartment, and this kind of music would have been performed there frequently. Christian Glant says popular musical styles were something Mahler embraced from a young age. Mahler was very proud of uh, possessing an accordion himself as a child before he uh, got his first piano. Conductor Kent Nagano says the only way to understand the Lendler is to learn to dance it as he tried to some time ago. And that was really hilarious because when I had to learn how to do that, can you imagine a West Coast American <laughs> learning how to, who looks like a Japanese person, you know, I'm Japanese American, actually learning uh, to deal with these, with the traditional costumes and actually learning to do the movements of the landlord. It was, um, it was quite a humiliating experience. But again, once you can delight in the joy of this corporal movement, you fully understand this concept of nostalgia or Sehnsucht or a longing for the past, which we feel through the Lander. It's, it's, um, it's something that really needs to be absorbed into the body. Marilyn McCoy, a music professor at Columbia University, says Mahler chose to introduce the Lendler into his symphony precisely because of this authentic, undomesticated nature. Trivial music, you know, they call it in German, and it's actually it's unfair. You know, I think for him, it's kind of like it's kind of like choosing obscure literature. It's like, well, okay, here's these obscure musical items that are kind of cool, and I'm going to bring them into this symphonic context, and you watch and you see what I'm going to do with them. And here's how Mahler pulled that off in the second movement of his first symphony.
What Mahler really did here is um, he took this genre, which, you know, if there was a band, it, it was really small. We're talking a couple of violins and a bass or something like that. And so he's got a giant orchestra. Um, it's just a huge, you know, sort of sonic palette to work with. Mahler is widely considered to be one of the greatest orchestrators in classical music. Orchestration is the art of deciding which instrument plays what part. The more musicians you have, the more complicated this becomes. Although in the first and third movements the orchestra completely retires behind its subject matter, in the second and fourth, I took great pains to bring it to the fore as brilliantly as possible. Conductor Michael Tilson Thomas suggests that Mahler was influenced by a French composer from an earlier generation. I think Berlioz would be a good example of how the orchestra is handled, how the scheme of modulations is handled, startling effects by abrupt changes of key and register. Let's do a little comparison. Here's the waltz from Berlioz's Symphonie Fantastique. Marilyn McCoy. Well, and, and actually in both Mahler's and Berlioz's case, you have these people who have unbelievably original ideas. Berlioz created a manual for how to write for the orchestra. He was the first one he wrote, the Treatise of Orchestration. And because he had so many original ideas, he was fearless. And Mahler was fearless in the same way. No sonic idea would be overlooked. Basically, Berlioz used every instrument at his disposal, especially the new ones. And in the 19th century, a lot of new instruments were being built anyway, extending the range up and down, right? So you want more high highs and lower lows. Both composers used the full palette of orchestral colors available to them, often pushing it to the max. Getting back to the second movement of Mahler's first symphony, what Mahler has that Berlioz doesn't is a certain rustic restlessness. It's music for a really big party. A really big party. You know, there aren't 30 people dancing, there's like 300 dancing, something like that. If we think of a Mahler symphony as a kind of musical novel, the protagonist, who is transfixed by nature in the first movement, is now in a different chapter of his life. In the second movement, the young man is getting around in the world much more vigorously, sturdily, and competently. Mahler originally titled this movement Under Full Sail. Perhaps he envisioned our wayfarer not only dancing up a storm, but exploring the high seas. I, like, I can kind of imagine that it's a ship rolling through the waves. You know, why not? Mahler eventually removed the Under Full Sail title. In fact, he removed all of his original titles from this symphony because he felt audiences would take them too literally. Maybe Mahler simply meant his wayfarer was sailing through life, enjoying every minute of it. 
The next section, called the trio, moves away from adventure, returning to the more intimate feeling of the Lendler. Mahler's friend Natalie Bauer-Lechner was especially fond of this part. The wonderful dance rhythm of the trio is worthy of special notice, for as Mahler once said, all music proceeds from the dance. The trio is the middle section of the symphony's second movement. Marilyn McCoy. And it's much more uh, sort of flirtatious, and there's a lot of trills, and the orchestration is much lighter. It's slightly more domesticated, um, but it still has those sort of countrified features in it. The middle section feels a little more inhibited. Maybe it's actually closer to a waltz. Christian Glantz says this is possible. It's not so clear to put a dividing line between Landler and Waltz because in different regions of old Austria there are uh, no clear divisions between Landler and Waltz. There are Landlers which sound for our ears like Waltzes and the other way around. So how do you know if you're listening to a Landler? Phil Bullman explains. There are delayed beats with the Landler, so it's not just um pa pa um pa pa, it's um pa pa um pa pa. Mahler had written a Landler eight years earlier, in 1880. It was a song all about the joys of finding love while at a dance. He doesn't quote it directly, but there are similarities. Have a listen. The song, entitled Hansel and Gretel, has the same rolling rhythmic motion you'll hear in the second movement, and shares some of the melodic elements as well. Getting back to the second movement of the first symphony, just as the waltz started as folk music and eventually found its way into classical music, with Mahler, Phil Bullman says the Landler has also evolved. He's stylizing it. I mean, he's he's transforming it to something that makes it into a music that serves his cosmopolitan ends. Uh, he's not trying to to quote something from folk music. And in turning this popular music into a symphonic movement, perhaps Mahler gets at something even more primal. Conductor Kent Nagano. It really is the feeling of your playing with gravity, feeling the weight of the earth. That is what the unforgettable feeling is, and once you can dance it, it has an irreversible effect on how you interpret Lendla in music. This slower middle section is framed by two faster sections. When the fast section returns at the end, 
you'll notice more brass this time. Marilyn McCoy. It's kind of like a Landler on steroids. There's just so much energy and it makes me want to dance. It's, it's just irresistible. There's so many wonderful dance movements, but none like that. With the, the momentum and the swing of it, it's just incredible. Some of Mahler's lyrics from the Hansel and Gretel song couldn't be a better fit. If you're happy, join in the dance. If you got worries, leave them at home. If you kiss your sweetheart, how lucky you are. <laughs> 